Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. You joined us on the day that we're starting a new series, and we're calling it What's Next? Now, I didn't ask that as a question. Many people are asking, what's next? I said that as a statement. What's next? And I'm going to show you from Scripture and from history and from a knowledge of politics and all of those fields, I'm going to show you what's next. And you are going to be shocked and amazed at what you learn. Well, the title of this first episode of What's Next is The Future Is Now. Many years ago, there was a coach in the NFL, Coach George Allen, who coached the Washington Redskins. You remember the Washington Redskins. They were a team that was more focused on winning the Super Bowl than their social score. But I'm borrowing the saying that George Allen had, and it was also the title of a book written by him or with an author about him in 1972, The Future Is Now. The French have a lot of weird sayings. Can we have agreement on that? <laughs> and here's one of them. The more things change, the more they stay the same. I guess they were talking about how useless politicians and political parties are. <laughs> Could be. One thing that does not change at all is the Word of God when it predicts changes that are coming. Think about this. If you could know for certain how your life events, how politics, how sports would turn out, you would never be wrong on your decisions and you would be secure for life. When God promises or predicts something, you can bet the house on it. It will literally happen. God told the prophet Daniel, who was an exiled captive, serving in the government of the king who had destroyed his nation. God told Daniel the prophet what would happen in the future to his people, Israel, and also to the entire world. Now, I've known about this ancient prophecy from antiquity for over 40 years, and I have always tended to think that its final fulfillment was shrouded in the distant mist of the future until 2020 happened. <laughs> We're going to look at Daniel's ancient prophecy from 2,500 years ago, and we're going to see what it says what it means, and what it means to us. That is the correct way to always approach the Word of God. So we're going to see all of that. So if you happen to have a Bible, that's wonderful, and you can follow along uh, reading with me, and I may make some comments here and there, and you'll be able to tell where the Bible's speaking and where my comments are. Uh, hopefully that'll be obvious anyway, but you'll be able to see it. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. If some of you would like to go to BibleGateway.com, you can select a translation there and follow along with us. But you know what? You may be driving right now or something. Don't worry about not having your Bible right in front of you. All right. Imagine this. 
Imagine that you spoke for God and you were living in China, which had just taken down your nation, and you were forced to serve the top leader of the Chinese Communist Party. That's kind of Daniel's situation here. He did not want to be where he was. He knew that he spoke for God. He probably had a lot of questions in his heart and mind, and yet he still served God where he was in a godless setting, and God still got the glory. God told the prophet Daniel, who was an exiled Jewish captive serving the king who had destroyed his nation, exactly what would happen in the future to not only the king's people, Babylon, but to the Jewish people and to the entire planet, to the world at large. We see here, um, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this, until you get to the book of the Revelation at the end of the Bible, until that, this is one of the most expansive prophecies in the entire Bible because of the length of time it covers all the way into eternity. And if you doubt that, prove me wrong. Read the whole Bible. <laughs> and uh, if you discover that I'm wrong, let me know. Maybe I'm wrong. But, but I will have gotten you to read the entire Bible, right? All right, so Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 through 49. Now I'm reading from the KJV. Maybe you have a different translation. And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams wherewith his spirit was troubled, and his sleep broke from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king and Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If ye will not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. Daniel could have been the first motivational speaker. <laughs> or the or excuse me, Nebuchadnezzar could have been the first motivational speaker because he lit a fire of motivation under these guys, right? Verse six. So uh, Nebuchadnezzar said that, not Daniel. All right, verse six. But if ye show the dream and the interpretation thereof, ye shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. They answered again and said. Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation of it. The king answered and said, I know of a certainty, I know of certainty that you would gain the time because you see the thing is gone from me. In other words, they were stalling, right? But if ye will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you, for ye have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me, till the time be changed. Therefore tell me the dream, and I shall know that ye can show me the interpretation thereof. Verse 10, 
The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asks such things at any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. And it is a rare thing that the king require it. And there is none other that can show it before the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this cause, the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain. And they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. This this is the walking definition of an urgent emergency right here, right? This is bad. And it's it's Daniel's not even involved in this. And he and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are being swept up into this uh, execution that's about to happen. Verse 14. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. All right, so Daniel's Daniel's managed to get the king not to kill anybody yet. And he said, just give me time. You know, I'm going to get with the Lord and I will make you... I will make you remember the dream. I'm going to tell you what it is, and I'm going to tell you what it means. I mean, what did the king have to lose at this point, right? And all the wise men of Babylon were pulling for Daniel. (laughs) They may have hated him before this, but all of a sudden he's their best friend, right? BFFs. All right. So so Daniel arranges this, and really God arranged it. But Daniel, notice that when Daniel's confronted with the emergency, he didn't just fall apart into a useless uh, lump of uh, fearing flesh or something. You know, he, he just said, all right, uh, this, this is serious, and he proposed a solution, right? Next time you run into something difficult, propose a creative solution that God brings to your heart and mind. So Daniel did that. So now God is going to get the glory through Daniel, right? All right. Verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now that's the Jewish names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Now, we don't know exactly how God did this, but apparently that night, like it says in a vision, God showed him everything he needed to know so that Daniel could spare his life and his friends' lives, and you'll see that he ultimately spared the lives of all the wise men, and more important than all of that, that God would be glorified by a pagan ruler. All right, 
So God always has a bigger purpose than than just you, right? I mean, I know you know that, but we all need to be reminded of that. So uh, let's read 19 again. Then was a secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. (laughs) How often God works on our behalf and and how often every time we should thank God and glorify God. Well, Daniel did that. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might and has made known unto me now what we desired of thee. For thou hast made known unto us the king's matter. Therefore, Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went in and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. (laughs) Notice how Arioch slides right in there like he's the hero of the story, but Daniel's probably thinking, whatever, you know, just get me in before the king. Verse 26, the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. Now that was Daniel's uh, Babylonian pagan name that they had forced upon him. Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What should come to pass hereafter? You know, maybe he was wondering, you know, after I'm gone, what's my legacy going to be? And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. The image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. 
thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands. In other words, people were not involved in what we're about to read. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream, and we will, we will tell thee the interpretation thereof before the king. I love how God revealed this dream and the interpretation to Daniel, but he included his three friends with him in presenting it to the king because they had been prayer partners with him. Isn't that great? That's the kind of largeness we should have. Too often, we are all guilty of being very small and very petty and very self-focused. But uh, a man that walks with God, a woman that walks with God, recognizes the, the part that others play and that God has them play in our life. And Daniel certainly did that. Verse 37. Thou, O king, art a king of kings. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beast of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. So that the head of gold of this massive image, a statue, represented Nebuchadnezzar specifically, but the Babylonian kingdom that he established. It lasted about 66 years. I don't know if you know that. That's got to be a world record for a shortness of the length of an ancient kingdom, right? Verse 39, And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things. And as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, and there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, forasmuch as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand 
forever. For as much as thou sawest the stone that was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. Now, let's think about what God has shown the prophet Daniel. All right, so let's, let's go back and let's look at this image and let's apply it to world history. And I think you're going to be excited about what you're going to see right here. So let's go right back and we're going to break each one out. So we saw that uh, in, the, in the interpretation that Daniel gave, that Nebuchadnezzar specifically, but certainly the kingdom of Babylon, was the head of gold. lasted about 66 years. They were overtaken actually in a night. It's, a, it's an exciting story when the Medo-Persians came and essentially took the city virtually without fight um, long after Nebuchadnezzar had passed away, but Babylon fell literally overnight. It lasted 66 years. The Medo-Persians became the big dog in town. Now, I want you to know something. Each of these kingdoms are important because of the, the massive growth and power of their kingdom, but specifically as it relates to the Jewish people and, and very specifically to Israel because it is to Israel that the Lord Jesus Christ came to save us, right? Born in Bethlehem. And it is to Israel, specifically Jerusalem, specifically the Mount of Olives on the east side of Jerusalem, that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back to be our sovereign, our ruler, and take over the world and the thousand-year millennial kingdom and then the eternal state with a new heavens and a new earth. So Israel is absolutely the focus that God has on the broad strokes of world history. Well, why doesn't he mention this kingdom down in Africa or this kingdom over somewhere in Russia? Because they didn't have any real effect on Israel. Does that make sense to you? What about the Chinese? Well, they haven't had an effect on Israel. So, you know, they just don't rank. They don't rate. But Babylon did. They took them captive. And the Medo-Persians overtook the Babylonian kingdom and therefore, you know, affected the Jewish people. So you, you see where we're going. It was under Cyrus that the Jewish people were allowed to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the city and then the temple and their country. So the Medo-Persians lasted about, I think it's about 208 years, something like that, over 200 years. Then they fell. Guess who they fell to? Now, they, they are represented by the, uh, the breast and arms of silver, right? Then, but then the belly and thighs, I believe it is, are represented by what? The, the brass, right? Now, notice that as the kingdom um, or as a statue is described from top to bottom, the quality descends. <laughs> You start out with gold, and then the arms and uh, the chest are silver. Well, the next metal mentioned is brass, okay? All right, so that's less than both silver and gold. 
Well, brass represents, and guess what? The kingdom of Alexander the Great, the Greek kingdom that began to affect, uh, again, even the Jewish people. It is said that when Alexander the Great went through Israel and passed by Jerusalem, that he passed by and didn't wipe it out like he did everything else because the high priest came out to Alexander and showed him this passage written in, uh, in about uh, the 500s B.C., they, they sh he showed him this passage referring to him and uh, the Greeks and also another prophecy in Daniel. And he, he just said, hey, you're, you're predicted to be the ruler of the world by God. So he did not destroy Jerusalem. That was super smart on the part of the high priest. But the, the brass represents Alexander the Great and then his kingdom, uh, which was ended up being divided up, but it lasted about, uh, to get this right, about 185 years, I think is what I read. Uh, I wasn't actually there, but I've heard about it. All right, so what else? Well, we, we go further and we see verse 40. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron. Now, iron is uh, less certainly than brass, right? So everything is going in a downward direction in world history, the way God looks at it. The world says, aren't things just becoming greater and greater? And God says, no, things are getting worser and worser, so to speak. All right, who is this fourth kingdom? And I bet you can figure this out right now, even if you slept through world history, all right? By the way, if world history had been taught like this is taught in the Bible, we would have all stayed awake. How people can make history boring is beyond me. It's fascinating. And shame on history teachers who turn people off about history and biography and all of that. All right, verse 40. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces as to do with all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. All right, so what kingdom is this? You've got it. It's the Roman Empire. Now notice that the in the image, the iron uh, is the legs, right? Oh, that's interesting. Yes, it is. And here's why. If you maybe didn't sleep all the way through world history in school, you remember that eventually the Roman Empire divided into two parts. The, the uh, Constantinople ruled the uh, Eastern Roman Empire, and Rome ruled the Western Roman Empire. Remember that? It kind of was a, was it kind of? It was a division in the progress of the world from that point forward. So Rome is represented. But it didn't last but 500 years. Now, that's a long time. But even it uh, did not continue to influence the world. Now, here's an interesting thing. Rome, it, it wasn't exactly conquered. What about the Vandals? Hey, listen to me. Rome wasn't exactly conquered like Babylon was literally taken over, literally overnight on one night by the Medo-Persians. Um, Alexander's kingdom came to 
to a definite end when uh, Rome rose to ascendancy. But you know what? Rome, because it, it infiltrated throughout all of Western culture, especially, and also, you know, the Eastern Empire, um, Rome, their influence never actually died. Now, the, the political institutions went out of business, but Rome put a stamp that lasted on the world. Now, here's what I want you to think about. Rome did not die it is on it is in sleep mode and it's coming back there will be what is called a revival of the roman empire and we're going to see this right here because another kingdom is mentioned did you notice that and whereas thou sawest the feet and toes part of potter's clay and part of iron the kingdom shall be divided but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, there's Rome, right? For as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay, and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong, like the Roman Empire, the iron heel of Rome, ever heard that saying? And partly broken. And that might represent the uh, so-called democracies of the world that have arisen and their various empires. Verse 43, And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Like, who does that, right? And in these days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, in other words, this is the doing of God, not man, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof, sure. So this final world kingdom will have in it the brutal strength of Rome, but it will also have the weakness of uh, uh, alleged democracies. It will be, notice it has ten toes, it will have ten kings, which will ultimately give all of their power to what the one we know of as the beast, the Antichrist, this will be the final global government before the Lord Jesus Christ comes back to completely obliterate it. <laughs> it won't even be a battle when he comes back, and he's going to smash it so thoroughly that the wind will just blow it away and nobody will ever remember or see it again. Now, Let's finish with what happened with Daniel and his friends, and then I want to apply that. So we, we see what it says, we see what it means, and then as we close, we're going to say what it means to us. Verse 46, though, let's finish this out. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel. 
Now, Daniel didn't receive that, obviously, because he'd already given the glory to God. But what are you going to do with pagan kings, right? <laughs> then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Then the king made a Daniel a great man. I thought about that, and I know what it means, but Daniel was a great man before the king ever thought to honor him. Daniel served God. You're a great man or woman or teenager or boy or girl if in your heart you serve God. The world may not get it, but the one that counts God, he gets it. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many gifts, great gifts, and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. But they loved that. Then Daniel requested of the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon but Daniel sat in the gate of the king. I guess you could say that uh, next only to Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel was promoted to prime minister, let's say. And he was, was a great man before he walked into the king and God honored him publicly. And may that happen to you and to me to the degree that we honor God publicly. Amen? May that happen. Now, Here's what this means to us. Say, well, okay, Roman Empire and, you know, the Medo-Persians and the Greeks and the Babylonians. What has that got to do with me? Well, specifically, I think where this relates to us in the future, what's next? The future is now. This global government, the final human global government that will exist that will be the one that the Lord Jesus Christ returns to destroy, I believe it is in the early stages of being quickly set up around the world through technology, through AI, through massive surveillance, through digital money, and, you know, it's just everything that we used to know and count on is disappearing. The powers that be in the world, including the new current government of America, I'm recording this, by the way, on Sunday, 23 January, 2021, so the current leadership in America and certainly around the world can't wait for there to be global government. Say, well, isn't that just kind of like pie in the sky and it's like a conspiracy theory? Hey, First of all, we just read it right here. Wake up. Secondly, it's told about again in great detail in the book of the Revelation. You should read it sometime. Thirdly, even if somebody says, I don't believe the Bible. Well, all right, I'm not going to argue with you about that right now. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to start Googling. I don't want to use that term anymore. Start online searching however you want to, for the theme, The Great Reset. Now, you've 
probably not even heard of it, but some of you had have been lied to and told, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. No, it's not. They've got a website. Go read about it. It's set up by the World Economic Forum. I think China plays a major part in that as well and, and will play one in the future. There is the intention of government leaders around the world right now and search it out. It's there. I mean, it's not Bible preachers saying this. It's secular politicians, many of whom, most of whom, just deny God. Search it out. Don't be a sheeple. But there is the intention called the Great Reset, and their theme is Build Back Better. Amazingly, that's our president's theme now and has been for a while, Build Back Better. Where did he get that? From the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset. They were scheduled to meet again in Davos, Switzerland in January uh, 2021. I don't think they met because the last I saw that had been moved due to the pandemic to June 2021. So I don't know if, how all of that played out, but we'll see. But anyway, they're meeting again to, to push this football farther down the field. I don't know if they're going to be able to do this totally quickly or it's just the start and it may take a few years or longer than that. I, that I don't know. But it is blatantly obvious if you just listen to what they're saying that there is the intention to do away with nationalism, you know, that is uh, countries as such, you know, being loyal to your country, England, America, uh, Kenya, whatever. And just basically, everybody get with a program of a global government that would decide everything for you. Now, let me say, let me hasten to say, this might not be that, but it sure looks like it. We may be nearer to the end than people could possibly realize because this type of government controlling the entire world and by the way, we know from the book of the Revelation that there will be ten kings. Notice that there are ten toes. It's right here. And it even says they're kings. Did you see that? Uh, uh, right there. So, I think I read that. So, yeah. And in the, and in the days of these kings, there it is. The, what kings? The ten. Mentioned here and also in the book of the Revelation those are the ten kings. And by the way, the world's already divided in the minds of these globalists into ten regions. Did you know that? No, Pastor Ed. You need to wake up. That's, there are already ten economic regions of the world already. So the point is, if, if we're seeing, I don't know how all that has to play out, and I don't have to, all right? but I can see what's right in front of me. <laughs> and I see what Daniel prophesied, and I'm thinking, wow, if this is it, and I, I think it's the start of it, then the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is imminent. And here's why. 
we know from the rest of the Bible, the Lord Jesus Christ will rapture the church out of the world before what is called the 70th week of Daniel. And we'll look at that also probably in the next few weeks. The church will not go through the war that God unleashes on the world during the tribulation. We will be with Jesus Christ in heaven. And I believe from the Bible, don't want to argue with anybody about it, and it doesn't mean we won't suffer on the way there, but I believe that happens prior to the tribulation. So what am I saying? The Lord could come for His church if He wants to today, next week, two years from now, three months from now. We don't know when, but we know He's coming. And then this awful, oppressive government will, will grab the entire world by the throat and eventually it will be the Antichrist who has the world completely by the throat especially for three and a half years, for 42 months, the great uh, tribulation period of the tribulation period that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke about. He called it a trap that is coming upon the entire world. So that's my news for you today. If you've been thinking that everything just goes on like it's always been, you're wrong. And Daniel shows that that is an incorrect thinking. So I want you to wake up and I want you to realize that with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can know for certain how your eternity will turn out. I don't know everything about every political move, but because I am personally trusting Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord, I know I will live eternally with him forever because I've been, I've been born again into a new life in Christ. And you know what? If you're not a Christian today, if you don't have that certainty today, and you feel the Lord is dealing with you about this, you can have it. I'm going to give you a phone number that you can call where someone will help you reach this certainty about your eternal destination. 877-247-2426. 877-247-2426. Call that number and get the spiritual help you need. Now, I need your help in something. As you know, I do not charge at all for people to listen to this podcast, and I don't ever plan to do that. And I'm not asking for money. That's not where I'm going with this. But because of the truth that I share in my podcast, as it emerges from the Bible, I believe that I am being shadow banned by big tech. If you would like to be sure that you continue to get this, you, and I'm not already sending it to you by email, then you may want to email Pastor edhill at gmail.com and ask me to include you on my email list which carries the link to this podcast because probably the time is coming where this will no longer be able to be advertised on Instagram, Facebook, and all the wonderful big tech companies that are working feverishly to enslave the entire world with big tech. 
I want you to do something else. I want you to tell, I want you to make a list of five to 10 people that you want to tell about this podcast. Tell them how to find it. Maybe have them give you their email so I can add their email, but it needs to be by permission, okay? I don't want to be spamming people. But I listen, it's not so much I need your help getting the gospel out. We need to help with this because the window is closing and we need to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove and find alternative ways to share this week in the Word. Tell others to find it at www.dredhill.podbean.com and encourage them to subscribe to the podcast, to follow it. That's another way. They will automatically be notified. You will be automatically notified if you subscribe and follow every time I post a new episode. Please do that. Let's be, let's be proactive and not reactive. May God bless you richly this week is my prayer. And who knows that the Lord may come for His church before the next episode. We'll continue with what's next in the next few weeks. And we'll just see where the Lord leads us with it. God bless you. Bye-bye.